Good morning, everyone. I also would like to welcome you all here. Uh, I'll begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity. And this is a portion of a longer whisper entitled, O Divine Mother, I am thine, for thou art eternally mine. It's number 207 for anyone who wants to look it up. (laughs) Um, But I'll just read part of it, which it felt to um, just reflect the topic today. By my light of concentrated aspiration, all falseness has been consumed. Ah, but Divine Mother, where art thou? A great void around me mocked my very yearning. Why, I asked, and my tears fell, dewdrops of shining light from my firmament above. Then at last thy sweet voice came, tender with compassion. I heard thee say, The very light by which thou seekest me is already myself. The Divine Mother is saying this. Thou hast sought me elsewhere than in thyself, yet I am thou, thou art I. There can never be aught but thine own self. I come to thee through thyself. Worship me as separate, if you like, but know who I am, thy very own self. O eternally beloved child, we are one. So it's interesting that for the most part, I think in Kali Yuga, that uh, people have, spiritual people, there seem to be a division. Now, do you, are you a worshiper of God in form or without form? Are you a worshiper of God impersonally or personally? But really, there isn't a difference. It's all one. And Yogananda, I remember Swami Kriyananda said that Yogananda, when he came, addressed some of the greatest divisions in spiritual living and in in spirituality generally that have grown up during the time of ignorance, Kali Yuga. So anyway, Yogananda said, and uh, uh, he was visiting with Kamala Silva, a young disciple at the time, and he addressed that, that idea, is God personal or impersonal? And he said, God is a spirit beyond all vibration, but drawn by my love, he appears to me in the way that I find most dear. And so there's no, I thought it's both, you know, you know, uh, you experience God in the way, you have to start from where you're at. Yoga always says this, you, you must, I'm going to move this over just a little bit for whatever reason, <laughs> but you must begin where you're at. You can't uh, uh, go uh, beyond that. People will uh, try to uh, be very deep by going beyond where they're actually at in realization, the absolute, the, the infinite, uh, and the, those, are, those are real concepts. They really are things that eventually we all must come to. It is, on this path, a path of self-realization. I'm sorry, but that's a little distracting for me, uh, speaking. 
Um, uh, but this is a path of self-realization, meaning that we start from where we're at and then we progress and we do it in stages. And so we eventually end up, self-realization means realization of ourselves as one with the infinite. And that is true, that will happen. But again, we must begin as we, where we're at, and grapple with our own realities. So, what is the most important thing in prayer? Love. You have to pray and be able to pray with love to that divine, with infinite love, infinite trust, divine uh, uh, acceptance uh, of that divine. And uh, to find that within ourselves, that's the most important thing and the most important step that we need to take initially. So beyond that, um, there's various ways that this happens and various ways that we're able to move forward spiritually. But we need to understand how to do that. And so yoga, there's, there's two things that we're given on this path. We're given devotion and we're given the path of yoga, Kriya yoga, but also all the steps that yoga will allow us scientifically developed that allow us to actually realize that devotion in reality. And so ours is a path of balance. And I was thinking that we really need to be careful to keep those two elements in balance. And so I would recommend for each of you, watch your, watch your life, watch how you're living. Uh, you may feel tremendous devotion in a certain period of life, but don't forget to use the techniques of yoga and the techniques in meditation that allow us to sustain that movement because devotion and love Divine love, human love, the heart, it said, is the dividing line. And so you can go up in devotional love, and you can also easily go down in human love. And not just human love, but in emotion. And so we really need to balance that with, and the heart is absolutely essential. Sri Yukteswar said, the heart's natural love is the, you must develop that first on the spiritual path. You cannot take one step forward without developing that heart's natural love. So there's that. But then we have to back that up and balance that with the path of Kriya Yoga and of yoga in general, which has studied human behavior and how to get to the absolute and gives you all the tools, scientifically developed, to be able to do that, to support us in that evolution. So I wanted to tell you a couple of stories which I found very inspiring and helpful. One I was remembering just recently uh, was of an incident where a devotee came to uh, Trilanga Swami in India. He was very famous, very well-known, lived in Varanasi, 
And uh, he was a Jivan Mukta, Master said. So he was freed while living, but not yet completely liberated. But he had a disciple. And the disciple sitting there in his ashram was looking at the statue of the Divine Mother in the other room. And for some reason, he had this desire that that statue would come to life and come and speak with him. In other words, he wanted some proof of of his devotion to that statue. And so he said this to Trilanga Swami and, and really begged him to give him that experience. And so Trilanga Swami, it, it happened. The statue came to life, got up, walked into the room, sat with the two of them. They had a long discussion, beautiful, all of that, very inspiring. And then the statue, the, the live statue, went back and became a statue again. At the end of that, Trilanga Swami looked directly at this disciple and said, now what do you have? (laughs) Because inspiration, even as dramatic as that, is not enough. It's not enough. And so I was also remembering the very beautiful story told in the New Path um, in the chapter, uh, I Am Spirit. And it begins, that chapter, and it's a story about the very famous saint Namdev who lived in South India. And this story, for a long time I didn't realize, and maybe perhaps Swami Kriyananda added it when he made it the new path, was that this story came from a fully liberated master in South India. It was It was told to Swami Kriyananda, who visited this fully liberated master in a very small village, Bhuchavridi Palanam, in South India, and uh, and spent three or four days with him. So it was a wonderful time, very, very enlightening. But this the story of Namdev was told to Swami Kriyananda by this liberated being. And so I wanted to tell you, I'll start it, And then I wanted to read a little bit of what is printed because in the telling of it, it's easy to skip things over a little bit here and there, but it's very, very inspiring. So Namdev lived in a small village, maybe in the 1500s. I I don't remember the the century, the year, but he lived in a small village. He was well-known as a saint, and he had... go to meditate in the local village temple, and he constantly had visions of Lord Krishna, who was God, basically. And so that would happen for him, and he had a following in the village. And in the same village, there was another man who was considered a saint, and he was a potter. And so at one point, they had a spiritual gathering, and uh, all of Namdev's disciples came, and and the potter was there as well. And at a certain point during this spiritual gathering, the potter was inspired, who knows why, to go around and slap every person there. <laughs> bam! Bam! Like that. I mean, hard enough. And, it, and they put it in context that potters do that to tell, they slap the pot to tell if there's a crack in it or not. 
And so, anyway, so he went around and he was slapping people and nobody said anything. He's a saint and who knows why he's doing this, but, you know, we're, we're okay with it. It's all right. And then he came to Namdev and slapped Namdev. And Namdev just reacted. He said, why did you do that to me? And the, the potter just very calmly stood up and said, I think there's a, a crack in this pot. <laughs> and Namdev was really, really hurt. He was humiliated before his disciples, but in fact, he deserved it because he had reacted. But I wanted to, to read, and normally I wouldn't read, but it's so, so beautiful. Everyone laughed at him. And, and Namdev went to the temple and prayed, and Lord Krishna appeared to him. And he said, Lord, you know how I love you. Why did you allow me to be so humiliated before my own devotees? The Lord says, but what can I do, Namdev? There is a crack in that pot. <laughs> Lord, cried Namdev, prostrating himself, I want to be worthy of you, great soul. I want to be worthy of you. Won't you show me the way to perfection? For that you need a guru, Namdev. But I behold you, the Lord of the universe. Of what use would a guru be to me? I can inspire you through visions, the Lord replied. I can even instruct you, but I can't lead you out of delusion except through the medium of one who knows me, for such is my law. Lord, won't you then at least tell me who my guru is? So the Lord gave him the name of a certain saint in the village and all that. He will be your guru. And he smiled, the Lord smiled, and he said, but don't be surprised if he seems a bit peculiar. That's just his way. So Namdev went to the village named by Krishna and made inquiries as to the saint's whereabouts. That lunatic, laughed the villagers, who would want anything to do with him? So this is his story. Okay, and said, oh yeah, you'll probably find him somewhere around the temple. He usually spends his time there. Namdev went to the temple. No one was in the courtyard. But when he entered the temple, he found a wild-looking, disheveled old man, carelessly sprawled on the floor. Surely this can't be my guru, he thought anxiously. A moment later, that question faded from his mind. For to his horror, he noticed that the old man's feet were resting on a Shiva Linga. Furious at this act of desecration, Namdev strode over and ordered the man at once to shift his feet. The old man opened his eyes drowsily. You see, my son, he replied, my difficulty is that I'm old. This body is no longer so easy for me to move. Would you do me the favor of moving my feet to some spot where there is no linga? Namdev hastened to apply, oblige. He was about to set the old man's feet down in a new spot when he saw directly underneath them another Shiva linga. He shifted them again. A third Shiva linga appeared. Yet again, a fourth linga. Suddenly, understanding dawned. This man was indeed his guru. Namdev was a great soul. Prostrating himself humbly before him, Namdev prayed for forgiveness. I was blind, Gurudeva, he cried. 
Now I know who you are, and I understand what it is you've been trying to teach me. With calm majesty, then, the old man rose to his feet. God is everywhere, Namdev. Realize him in yourself, and with transformed vision, behold him residing in all things. The guru struck Namdev gently on the chest, over the heart, and he went into samadhi. Then he saw in every speck of space, he saw God alone, unending light, bliss infinite. Too deeply absorbed for mere amazement, he realized that all of this was he. From that day onward, Namdev lived immersed in the divine consciousness. He wandered about the countryside, intoxicated day and night with fathomless bliss. One day, many months later, he happened to be in the vicinity of his old village. Passing the temple where he had first worshipped God, he entered and sat for meditation. Again, the Lord appeared to him as of old in the form of Krishna. My child, said Krishna, for so many months you have neglected me. You who never failed to worship here a single day, I have missed you. Where have you been? My beloved, cried Namdev, smiling happily at the Lord's playfulness. How could I think of coming here to see you when everywhere I gaze, I behold your formless presence? Blissfully then the Lord replied, now there are no cracks in that pot. So for each one of us, and the crack in Namdev's pot was ego consciousness, simple as that. (laughs) It's a really, very, very simple path we have here. (laughs) Not easy, but simple. And uh, and so Namdev um, needed to go through that experience. He obviously was highly evolved, otherwise he wouldn't have been able to go into samadhi like that. But it's something for all of us, each of us, really to keep in mind that one, this, and the reason I wanted to read it is because it isn't enough to be inspired. Inspiration is very, very important. But that isn't what will free us. Inspiration, good karma, that kind of thing, can't, can't free us from delusion. It's really a fact, and it's very uh, helpful and important to know that. Because otherwise you think, well, but I'm so inspired, I don't need Kriya Yoga anymore, I'm really there. Mm-mm, no, sorry. <laughs> what happens is that that's on a certain level. But we must go all the way to Nirbhikalpa Samadhi eventually before we're freed from delusion. And don't kid yourself, delusion is overpowering to almost everything. Except, and Yogananda said this, when you reach the state of Nirbhikalpa Samadhi, meaning you're free from ego at that point. But otherwise, it's, it's something that's always lingering there, something that's always potential. And, uh, and so we want to be careful with our spiritual lives and really watch how we are living, how we are progressing, how we are uh, understanding 
what's going on for us spiritually. And, you know, it's when it, the relationship with the divine is, is the most important relationship we'll ever have. And it's why, in fact, we recommend when people come and want to live here that they don't get into another relationship for about a year or so. I'm just saying that because the relationship with the divine is it's what will free us from all other fear, all other anger, all other emotions, all other problems. There's nothing there but God. But we have to come to a state of realization about that. And I know for me, I was here a couple of years and I started the market and built a house and you know did different things in those years. Um, but then I came to a place where it wasn't enough, just me on my own. And luckily at that point I spoke with Swami Kriyananda and I was invited to move to the monastery at Ayodhya. We had a monastery at that point there then. And uh, there was a section for women and a section for men. And I had the, the incredible opportunity to live alone. We lived near each other, but each person had their own place to live. Now, trailers, I lived in a bus, you know, different, different things like that. But that, that ability to be in your own vibration is really, really important. Because you need to get, we all need to get, to know ourselves first. And then we can go out into life and we can make choices because we're coming from a place that we know ourselves. And we understand, we, we have at least began, begun to understand our relationship with God. It's a very special relationship. And it's one that if we are too busy, if we um, mix it with other vibrations, just too much socializing, whatever it might be, then that, that subtle voice, we can't hear it. And people think, oh, well, there's no God, you know, or, or I'm not, I'm dry, you know, I must, I'm not really progressing spiritually. But, but if you take the time, and Yogananda stressed this very strongly, he said, spend time alone. Take seclusion, yes, but also spend time alone. Because in that aloneness, we're able to feel the subtle energies of the divine, whether whether we're drawn to God as Krishna or the Divine Mother or most especially, of course, the Guru, but they're, they're speaking to us. And, and if, we, if we don't listen, we miss what could really be very, very important to us. And, and also how, how to make decisions in our lives as we move forward, how we know what to choose, what satsang to have, what people to be around, and uh, uh, just that kind of thing. I was incredibly blessed to have that early on in my spiritual life and to have a period of time when that was really happening. But, but choose it, 
seek it out, make it happen, because that will, it will keep you going. You'll have a point of reference then inside yourself of knowing what will help you, what will help you to keep going spiritually. Um, I have seen uh, a lot of uh, things happen in other ways, um, and I don't want to get sidetracked here, um, but one thing that I also wanted to uh, relay regarding um, Namdev and that story is that Swami Kriyananda, periodically he would have things, a vision or something, a dream or something, and he had one happen uh, probably in the 1990s, I can't quite remember the, the year, but he was staying by himself in a hotel in Florence, I believe. And it was at night, uh, overnight, maybe it was a, a dream, a vision. But what it was of, and it was very powerful, he told it again and again to us, was that he was standing on a street. And because he was in Italy, he, he saw all these people coming and he said some were mafiosi, meaning criminals, some were just normal people, some were, had more light, some more darkness, but he said all of them, I could feel that all of them were seeking God. Underneath all of that, they were all seeking God. And, and in other words, the soul is not affected by what we do outwardly, you know, where we can do a lot of crazy things. But, but the soul in us is always going, mm, no, not quite right. And so, but he, he felt that, that seeing these people, they were all essentially united underneath and all seeking the same end, which is the end for all of us, oneness with God, <laughs> oneness in that divine. It has to happen because we've come from there. That, that's where we've come from. That's where we're trying to get back to. But, but that vision, he said, was so wonderful because he said, from that, I knew everybody, it's all the same. And so he was looking at people all the, equally the same. And meaning that the same in, that, in their soul, the same yearning, crazy doing strange things and getting off, but some seeking. And so, but he, that experience, very, very powerful. And that's, that's what happened to Namdev. <laughs> you know, he went into samadhi to get that, but, but that's what happened to him, is that he didn't go back to his old temple in the village because he didn't need to, not because it wasn't any good, but because he saw Krishna and that consciousness everywhere. And so it was so powerful. And so for each one of us, and don't feel like, oh, well, Namdev, you know, he was a saint and he had samadhi and all that. We get touches of those things as we go along. If we keep on the path and keep honing in, you'll find that those things come. You'll just have an experience where you're with people and you, you know they're all good. They're, you know they're all seeking oneness, even though they're all really different. So don't, don't put it off. It's a mix. I, I wrote down just the thing of, you know, form or formless, personal or impulse. 
it's, it's a blend, it's a mix. It happens, as, as Jesus said, God comes like a thief in the night. We never know when that kind of experience will happen for us. So if we stay centered in ourselves, in the heart, up here at the point between the eyebrows, and keep life balanced, devotion and uh, love for God, faith in God, living by that. And, and how, do you, how do you ever develop that? How do you ever develop faith? You have to test it out. <laughs> you have to go out and make your mistakes. You have to go out and, and try things and, and have that happen. So do engage. It's a great adventure, the spiritual life. And do engage in it in that way because it will lead you to where your soul is insisting you go eventually. And that is into more and more oneness with that divine, seeing people. As you raise your consciousness, you see people differently. Yeah, it's, it's about consciousness. So, so keep that all in mind and really be uh, focused in that. And uh, the uh, Master said, I'll close with this, devotional love combined with the practice of scientific yoga techniques is the, the surest and fastest path to God. Once your heart 